Hello everyone, welcome back to Cloisterbell Podcast. Today we are checking out Vincent and the Doctor. The TARDIS Cloisterbell. Imminent disaster. The Cloisterbell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh, no. So, hello, listeners. Um, I'd like to say welcome to any new listeners. We've definitely got some new followers on Twitter. Uh, Liam's here. Say hello, Liam. Hello, Liam. Hello. Hey, how have you done? Oval jokes. Uh, hi, Rob. Hi, everyone. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, not bad. I feel like I've probably potentially uh, lost all those new listeners with that awful joke I did before. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Uh, but yes, I'm all good. And yourself? Fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, the weather's a, a lot calmer this week. Yeah, I knew we'd get onto the weather. <laughs> Is this a new record? Like st- <laughs> ten seconds into the podcast, it wasn't intentional. It just, I just realised as I said it. <laughs> I was saving the weather forecast till later, but <laughs> why hold off on a good conversation? Yes. Um, Yes, it is. It it has calmed down. It's uh, settled into proper autumnal weather now. It's because uh, the last the last week we had a uh, bit of autumn. The last blasts of summer still lingering somehow, and uh, but this week we've uh, we've had rain, but uh, a little bit, not too much. Mm. Uh, but no. quite nice, mild autumn weather uh, for the yeah. most part. Yeah, pretty much. It's been cold. Cold mornings. Yeah, starting to have to put the heating on for the first time in months. Yeah, yeah, we've had it on uh, this afternoon. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what have you been up to lately? Have you been watching anything? I've uh, been watching some Seinfeld, because uh, I said, um, I think I've probably mentioned it before, but um, uh, I earlier this year I resubscribed to Netflix for the first time since I can't remember um, and that was to watch Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee and I watched all that and I watched I've uh, been watching you know some of the Dave Chappelle specials which I know have been getting an awful lot of uh, press attention recently um, and um, some other comedy stuff that's on there and then I was going to go yeah I pretty much watched everything that I want to no, 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 I haven't watched the whole of Netflix uh, I've watched everything I kind of want there's nothing there anymore um, and then there was just uh, so I was about to cancel my subscription and they went but Seinfeld's coming soon I went oh, oh you, you win Netflix they saw now. you coming <laughs> yep exactly so now that uh, Seinfeld's on Netflix I've um, uh, been going through the episodes I'm up to season 3 so far just really enjoying it it's uh, really really good um, that's cool watching anything else I think that obviously with the exception of Doctor Who I think that's pretty much it the season 24 box set uh, came out months ago um, and I, I've still been sort of going through it a little bit so I watched I've watched the extended version freaking hell of Delta and the Bannerman how was that? awful <laughs> <laughs> they need a reduced version yeah well the reduced version is the original transmission and uh, so I've watched that and it's just I'm really not a fan I love season 24 because it's just incredibly enjoyable but I love Time of the Rani Paradise Towers and Dragonfire for me Delta and the Bannermans the one dodgy story in the series 
and I know that there's a lot of people who like it for its uh, its fun and all the rest of it. And I, I wish I was one of those people. I because uh, I've seen it a few times uh, over the years. I just I just can't get into it. And then so anyway, I watched uh, the original transmission version, and then for co- for completion's sake, I thought, well, I'll get round to watching the extended versions at some point, and that point has finally arrived, and thankfully has passed. <laughs> I don't oh, want right. to watch. I don't want to. Well, probably wouldn't. So, is it is it still in episodic format? Is it a, a feature length? Yes, it is. Oh, I couldn't imagine watching extended cinematic version of that. No, it's it's still <laughs> Delton episodic. Delton so... the movie. Oh, <laughs> extended. <laughs> no! Um, yeah, so I was able to watch the extended first episode and say, like, right, okay, I- I'm done. I can... <laughs> Until <laughs> the next day when I have to watch. I have to watch. I don't have to watch it. It's just, oh. The, you the... do, admit yeah, it. Oh, just the mad, obsessive mind of a Doctor Who fan. Um, yes. Like how we realise you have to watch Terror of the Vervoids twice. Is there the wrong with Terror of the Vervoids? Terror of the I know. Vervoids? Yeah. Is per- yeah. It's perfectly, it's perfectly but, but, fine. But the, the two versions chronologically fit in a certain place. So. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, stick me in front twice. of Terror of the Vervoids, perfectly happy. Stick me in front of Terror of the Bannerman, I want to harm myself. Sorry. <laughs> that's that's incredibly tasteless. But um, yeah, it's just, I've, oh, no. Just no, just no. Um, no. But moving on, on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. On the plus side of stuff, uh, been been reading. In fact, actually, because in the previous podcast we've um, we reviewed Unicorn and the Wasp, and I popped into Waterstones uh, earlier this week uh, to buy um, some books. Even though I've already got like a big pile of books I already need to read. But you know, again, it's the obsessive, fi- uh, obsessive, bizarre mind of of the avid reader. Uh, I've already got a million books. It's never enough. Buy some more. Anyway, what was really nice was when I was in there. There was a um, uh, there was a couple in their early twenties, and when I was just looking around the books, uh, the uh, the woman, uh, it was just great to see. She went, ah, Agatha Christie, uh, <laughs> and she was absolutely in her element, darting over to the uh, the Agatha Christie books. It was just really nice. So. Uh, yeah, people get yes. even now in the you know uh, in two thousand and twenty one, two thousand twenty one. There's people who still get tremendously excited and passionate about Agatha Christie, which is great so, to see. Well, of course, she would have grown up on Unicorn and the Wasp. <laughs> you know what? That's that. I never thought of that, but that's actually, yeah, that's very likely actually, <laughs> given her range. And yeah, you never know. It might have actually got her into Agatha Christie in the first place. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> And uh, how about yourself? What have you been up to? Not a hell of a lot. Uh, I've <laughs> uh, watched. See, I've started season three of You. Not not Liam Hutchinson the, the series. <laughs> Liam <there>. Hutchinson the, <laughs> the series. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so what is You? Uh, you is sorry. I can't do this without having a joke with my wife every time. She's like, "So we'll watch You." I'm like, "Yeah, let's watch me." <laughs> <laughs> Never gets tired that joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, essentially, it's about this guy. He's a bit like you, <laughs> only in the sense that he likes books. Uh, but, oh. um, but but that aside, uh, he is a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> and there the similarity ends, thank goodness. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, um, but essentially, he does get obsessed with a girl in the first season. And all oh, can end bad. Um, there was a season two. Yeah, that was pretty um, 
quite a watch as well. And I want season three though, yeah. Yeah, sorry, because I've not heard of it before, so I've just Googled it. and So this it's is the description. quite popular, yeah, every every season it's the big talking point for a lot of people. Yeah, so anyway, the description is, what would you do for love? For a brilliant male bookstore manager who crosses path with an aspiring female writer, this question is put to the test. A charming yet awkward crush becomes something even more sinister when the writer becomes the manager's obsession. Using social media and the internet, he uses every tool at his disposal to become close to her, even going so far as to remove any obstacle, including people, that stands in his way of getting to her. Yeah, he's very um, obsessive. And it's interesting because uh, we are here in the monologue in his head, and he's, for all intents and purposes, he's seen as the protagonist of the show. <laughs> he's, he's us, you know, we're following his, his story. Right, um, okay. So it's awkward when you start to, like become you get an understanding of the character or you begin to empathize with them when they're doing all this bad stuff right okay (laughs) it does Uh, actually sound quite interesting though yeah it is quite good um and he kind of he justifies doing what he does because um he does it in secret uh yeah uh season two definitely had an interesting ending uh hmm but if you do watch it, I'll not spoil anything. Yeah, I might uh, I might check that out. And uh, just again, having a look, I can see each uh, season has uh, consists of ten episodes. Yeah, it's quite a short run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I've been watching. Uh, also on Netflix, um, we were going to catch up on the older Spider-Man movies because um, Spider-Man um, Far From Home is coming out soon. Uh, Doctor Octopus returns as long as as well as uh, some other villains, uh, possibly previous Peter Parker's. Who knows? So we were going to check out the Tobey Maguire movies because we saw the first one was coming out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So we watched the first one. Um, quite terrible, worse than I remembered. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. And then uh, we're going to wa- we'll wait till the second one comes out. The second one didn't come out, but the third one was released on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, we Bit odd. Okay. Oh, that's a bit odd. Maybe they're just idiots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did a bit of research, and in the UK, um, Spider-Man Two seems to be on Sky at the moment. So maybe oh, that's why it doesn't come right. to Netflix. But uh, the Amazing Spider-Man One and Two also came on, um, so I give those a rewatch, and uh, I quite like those. Um, I wasn't a big fan of them when they did come out. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so t- of the of the three main actors who have played Spider-Man in the movies, um, who's your favourite? Uh, tough one. Uh, Tom Holland. Um, he's kind of the new Spider-Man. I, I guess I'll go with him, but he's doesn't. He's not quite a Peter Parker in my head. Uh, I quite of of all the Spider-Man movies, I quite like Into the Spider-Verse, the animated one. With oh, I've Ma- not seen Ma- that, but I've Miles heard it's uh, yeah, but I've heard it's very good. It really is, yeah. Um, mm. I wasn't too sure about it at first. I thought maybe it's not for me. Um, looking at the animation, I thought eh, it's a bit clearly animated. You know, the frame rate's a bit slow and it's very comicky. I thought it might be a bit jarring, um, but once I got into it, I've really enjoyed it and I've watched it a couple of times since. Oh, okay, good sign. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's about it. That's all I've watched. Oh, and Doctor Who. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, and oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
we did submit some questions to David and Matt of neither the Time Nor Space podcast for their wheelie big quiz. Uh, they're doing a quiz every week and raising money for Doctors Without Borders. Um, if anyone goes over there, they have oh, a, um, a Just Given page, a fundraising page. Mm-hmm. Um, check that out. Um, and yeah, before we move on to the main episode, uh, I'll give you some of our social links facebook.com slash cloisterbell on twitter at podcastbell and instagram cloister underscore bell and you can if you'd like you can support us on patreon for early access and more um any news this week Liam? any doctor who-ish news we've got a uh, doctor who flux coming out of course they've announced the title of the first episode and we know the episodes will now be called chapters so we have chapter one the Halloween Apocalypse. Thoughts on that? Yeah, a perfectly, perfectly nice title. And as it premieres on uh, on Halloween, it obviously ties up. So that's quite. Oh nice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I quite like the title. Um, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got no problems with it. And you? Yeah, it's completely fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine yeah. with me. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that's all that matters. And. Yeah. Um, the uh, um, we have the trailer, which has given us a, a bit more of a, uh, a glimpse of the series. Oh yeah, um, have we not talked about the trailer on the podcast? Uh, no, when we recorded the Unicorn of the Wasp, although by the time the podcast came out, the trailer had had dropped. But when we recorded it, it, it hadn't. Oh. Um, and it, uh, the thing that really stood out for me was the the look of the Sontarans. So the one, the Sontarans are coming back, which is great. Yeah. But also the fact that they've they've had a bit of a redesign, I think, encompassing uh, elements of uh, a little bit of the design when they came back in the new series, but very much harking back to it sort of uh, amalgamates a little bit, you know, how they looked in the Time Warrior and a little bit of how they looked, you know, uh, costume wise with the helmet in uh, Invasion of Time. Yes. And I think we we talked about. I, I, I think we must have mentioned it when we reviewed uh, the Santaran experiment, um, where we were talking about the des- you know about the design. And I w- I've never really been. I, d- I don't think it's awful. I'm not saying that, but I've never really been that happy with uh, the redesign of of them since they came back in the new series, and how they've been utilised a bit too comedic. Yeah, and this is sort of be like a warrior race. They've. Re- I, I think. You know, looking at the redesign in, in in the new trailer, they they look like that warrior race, and um, you know you, you can tell that they they're ready for battle. Yeah, definitely. I think with regards to the new design of the Russell T Davis era, mm. era, um, I I wasn't keen on the purple. Uh, obviously, they were weird kind of oily skin tone. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just wasn't wasn't the best fit. And although Dan Starkey is. A great actor. Yes, we uh-huh. did get a bit too much of Dan Starkey over the past few years, um, as he kind of was the embodiment of the Santorans. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job, and as you say, a very good actor. Uh, so I haven't got a problem w- with him. And uh, and a he brilliant played... character as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he played it uh, incredibly well. But uh, another thing that I didn't quite like is that it, it works in terms of the individual episodes. But I, I think Stephen Moffat turned them too comedic. You couldn't take them seriously anymore. Totally, yeah. 
Um, yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to see what Chris Chibnall has 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 done to them. I think I think by the looks of it, I think he's he's done a very good job. But that, but that's what really stood out with me. The trailer. We know that the, the Weeping Angels are coming back, and uh, I think the Cybermen, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, are the Daleks? I'm not sure. Sure. Um. Yeah. It's if they don't, I don't turn know up, I'm not going to be bothered. Yeah. But, I tend to stay uh, away from spoilers. I'm not sure yeah. if I read it as a rumor, possibly. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't turn up. But if they don't, uh, I'm I'm not too fussed if I'm honest. Yeah, um, and I, again, I don't know. Um, possibly Sasha Dewan might return. Um, there's something I don't know if we picked up on it when we checked out the um, what was the last episode called? You know, the on Gallifrey, the last episode of season twelve. Oh, uh, was that called The Timeless Child? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that. <laughs> um, just as the guy with the detonator, um, Koshiarmus, when he detonates that, um, I was actually watching on iPlay and I had the subtitles on. And there's a bit I missed where the master says to the Cybermen, quickly out this way, or something like that. Called quickly through here. All right, okay. So um, he kind of escaped with the new Cybermen Time Lords, possibly. I can't remember. I can't remember anything, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched it since it was broadcast. Yeah. No, but yeah, maybe he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it'd be great if he came back. Um, he will. Yeah, of course he will. I don't just mean the character of the master, but I mean Sasha Dewan um, playing him. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so, on with the episode. While taking Amy to several peaceful locations, the 11th Doctor's trip to a museum takes turn for the worst. His interest is caught by a painting of a church by Vincent van Gogh, what troubles the doctor is that there's a face in the church's window. It's not it's not a nice face. It's a curious, shadowed, creepy face with a bleak uh, with bleak and nasty eyes, sorry. The doctor knows evil when he sees it, and this face is definitely evil. It may pose a threat to the one who painted it. Um, only one thing will calm the doctor's nerves. A trip in the TARDIS to eighteen ninety so we can find out uh, from the artist himself. So, cast and crew for this episode, the Doctor, Matt Smith, Amy Pond, Karen Gillan, um, Vincent was Tony... Is it Tony Curran? Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Um, Maurice, Nick Howden, and what the, the mother, uh, Chrissy Cotter... Sorry. Chrissy Cotterell... Waitress Sarah Council and school children, school children were played by Morgan Overton and Andrew Byne. Um, what school children? You know the ones that are looking at the picture and uh, it goes, "That's the doctor," and the doctor turns around and then it's saying, "That's the doctor oh, that looked after yeah. Vincent Van Gogh when he was ill." Oh yes, modern day school children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Why aren't they in school? It's a school trip. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, of course, I did miss one person out. Um, Bill Nye, uh, of course, played um, what do we call him? The, the curator. 
The odd uh, gallery dude. The odd, odd gallery dude. Um, yeah. M- M- Dr. Black, I think his name was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, he was not credited for this story. Do you think it was like a big reveal? No, and in fact, I, f- I find it very odd that he wasn't, because you would think that would be a big, you know, because I know that it was advertised that, you know, Richard Curtis, the Richard Curtis, has written a- an episode of Doctor Who. Mm. I'm surprised that, you know, and, and Bill Nye sort of, you know, the guy's great, and um, I thought they would have advertised the fact he was in it. Hmm. Never mind. <laughs> we'll give him credit. So, um, the writer, like you say, Richard Curtis, uh, he was executive producer for The Curse of Fatal Death. Mm-hmm. Um, director Johnny Campbell of Vampires in Venice. Was that the previous story? Uh, yes, I put... Yeah. No, hang on. Was it... No, no hang on. Uh... No, because Rory was in that. Yes. So, um, maybe before the Silurian two-parter. Yeah, because I think, yeah. didn't we have the Silurian two-parter and then wasn't it this? Yeah. Yes, because that's where Rory dies. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, it was first broadcast on the 5th of June, 2010. Long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the doctor takes Amy to see um, the Van Gogh paintings, and um, Bill Nye is the the museum dude. It will call. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy mentions that the doctor took her to Arcadia. Yep, not the Time Lord City, I presume. Um, the paintings. Uh, they're not very protected. Those um, bright school kids are kind of just left to their own devices to walk around them. Um, would this be a reality? No, probably. No, <laughs> probably not. No. Um, so the doctor sees something in one of the paintings, which is this creature. So he asks um, the art gallery dude. Um, What's the specific date that, uh, that the painting was made? So he gives them a, a good estimation. And, of course, he's also wearing a bow tie. His bow ties are cool. Yeah, I haven't heard that in a long time. That yeah. took me back. <laughs> um, Matt Smith recently said in a in some kind of Twitter-thon that this, in his mind, this could be a, a future doctor like the curator. Uh, nah, nah. I, I don't. I don't kind of accept that. <laughs> no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessary. He's clearly just a a curator of a of an art gallery. It's uh, why does he? Why does he have to be the doctor? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, if 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 he were, that doesn't make any sense. Especially, I, I, we won't talk about it until we get it. I, I don't want to leap ahead too much, but um, especially towards the end of the episode, given his reaction. Yeah, and how would he not know about these events? These events, hmm. unless he's a pre-Hartnell curator. Oh, <laughs> I have a feeling that this uh, that this is going to get mentioned later on with, uh, with mm. you know, with the fact that William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton have a have a bit of a cameo. So they travel back to visit uh, the cafe from one of the famous paintings. Uh, the resemblance is uncanny, quite similar. The light and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like the aesthetics of um, these locations? Do you think that 
t the photorealism of them compares too much to the paintings. No, I think I, th I think the I think it gets the the balance quite right of you know going where we know what these looked like given the impressionist pictures uh, paintings of mm. of Van Gogh and 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 trying to sort of I don't know research backwards of go of trying to make it look realistic i think it gets um i think it gets the balance quite right yeah i think so too so vincent comes out of this cafe disputing with the owner over his bill um and the doctor offers to pay or at least pay for his painting to in turn uh, pay for the drinks but he's, would you say he's kind of too proud to accept it where do you think he's coming from yeah, I think a little bit. I think it's sort of, uh, I can fight my own battles. I don't need people yeah. interfering. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, Amy offers to buy the bottle of wine. Um, so he's happy to accept that. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we'll get on to where he seems to have a, quite a bit of a soft spot for Amy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he asks if Amy's from Holland, like him. Uh, I like how Vincent has a Scottish accent. Okay, <laughs> yes. Quite, quite fitting. Um they admire um, his painting, but he admits it's pretty terrible. So, um, of course, uh, his art wasn't a big hit, uh, and maybe he had a, a bit of self-doubt there. Um, do you think they're terrible? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, they're okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're passable, they're fine. Uh, so he and Amy share a remark about their orange hair. Um, kind of an awkward flirt going on. Is that what's happening? But I think the doctor gets a bit impatient when he kind of rolls his eyes. <laughs> like, anyway, yeah. there's quite a bit of that any churches episode. lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone comes in, of course, crying murder. So it's that time of the episode. <laughs> so. A young girl's been killed um, mm. by something. And uh, the mother of the of the girl comes up. Do you think she acts well as a grieving mother? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> she seems to... Um, she's doing the... The, uh, the typical... Um, you know, lashing out at uh, someone who, to emphasise the fact that they're seen as a bit different. Yeah, trope thing. That oh, that old thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they're going to the doctor and Amy, kind of invite themselves back to Vincent's house, mm -hmm. Vincent's house to stay the night. And so we're going to his house, and his paintings are kind of laid all over the place, cluttering the place, as he says. Um, he even kind of offers them a cuppa and puts the kettle on one. Uh, yeah, he does kind of say a good line. Um, if you look hard, there are more wonders in the universe than you could have ever dreamed of. Does he say he can kind of hear the colours or, or, or feel them? Um, and he gestures to like listen. And I love this reaction from Matt Smith when he's kind of like li trying to listen and <laughs> turn his head like a curious dog, kind of looking around the room. <laughs> so something attacks Amy outside and. Vincent seems to see something because he can see this creature. So, oh yeah, of course, the, the doctor's trying to help by attacking uh, mid-air. Good balance of humour? 
It's it's fine. Um, I think it goes on a little bit too long. Oh, the, the the fight scene itself, you know, the, uh, when that's going on, when you when you can clearly see, you know, that that, that Vincent's uh, seeing what's going on and fighting the monster, the doctors having to guess, and then when uh, the monster is is has run off and the doctor's still sort of like swinging in the background, um, uh, and then uh, Vincent and Amy are kind of looking at it for a moment. I think it's sort of like, yeah, I just think it goes on just a little bit too long. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it- and you um, think they should still be a bit concerned in case it comes back? Oh yeah, because it's. Uh... <laughs> well, I don't know where it's gone. No. <laughs> so the doctor asks asks Vincent to draw a picture. So he he kind of he kind of paints over one of his old uh, canvases and, mm. <laughs> and draws the new picture. Um, it dries pretty quick because then moments later he's kind of doing a little doodle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Doctor returns to the TARDIS, kind of followed by the creature. So, in the, inside the TARDIS, he goes inside his chest and gets out this weird contraption. It looks like a wing mirror off a car that you strap to your chest. And when he kind of looks into the mirror, it prints off this report out of the TARDIS um, kind of typewriter. And like you said, we get um, Bill Hartnell and Patrick Troughton's faces coming out mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure is that is that all that prints out or does it continue printing out in the background uh, I think I it probably uh, continues printing out until he starts trying to tell it uh, to scan uh, what the monster looks like yeah but in terms of what we see we see uh, we see William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton and then that's it so he goes outside and peering over the doctor's shoulder is this creature uh, which reveals itself to the machine and it identifies itself um, and of course moments earlier the doctor has showed the machine Vincent's sketch uh, which clearly wasn't good enough because it was showing up parrots and things um, which is quite similar because that's kind of what the creature resembles mm-hmm. a little bit so the doctor sees it runs off what do you think of the kind of CGI of the creature and has it stood the test of time um I think for the most part, it's it stood the test of time. I think if you were going to be a bit critical, perhaps um, the lighting of the, the real locations to, to the monster perhaps don't quite match up. But to be, but to be perfectly honest, I wasn't. Uh, it didn't um, take me out of the viewing experience. I thought the design was quite good and, and realised quite well. What, what, what did you think? I thought it was fine. Um, of course, it doesn't look photorealistic. Mm-hmm. You know it's a CGI monster. Um, and perhaps they didn't help themselves out by having such dark scenes um, like you said maybe the lighting wasn't well rendered with the creature mm-hmm. um, which would have been difficult in the dark scenes I guess yeah um, but yeah overall it's a, kind of a good uh, good rendering of the of the creature after running he's hiding, hiding around the corner and Amy sneaks up on him and that's probably the the one scariest bit of the episode. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. So they return to the house and wake Vincent up. Oh, so actually, the Doctor must have been out all night, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they've got to wake up Vincent and Amy's bundled up some sunflowers um, to try and inspire him. Um, so he makes an interesting remark that uh, he finds them interesting, but also um, 
they're too much of a challenge because they're halfway in between looking alive and dead, um, mm-hmm. which is a great way of putting it when you can when you think about his famous uh, you know, sunflower artwork. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, do we assume there was an instance where Vincent van Gogh lived his life, painted the creature at the church, and the Doctor and Amy weren't there? Because, of course, by being there, they, they did slightly change things. Is that right? Yeah, I think so, because when you come to the end, um, uh, at the end of the episode... yeah. Vincent has put in references to the fact that you know he he's he you know met up with Amy uh, and the Doctor, which yeah. weren't there before. So he pretty would have painted the sunflower regardless. Um, but we have a similar situation, not quite the same, but when we looked at the unicorn and the wasp, we had uh, Donna um, inappropriately referencing future works uh, of Agatha Christie. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, um, Amy's trying to be a bit influential. A uh, little comparison there. Yeah, yeah, there is, yeah. So uh, the Doctor does encourage him to paint the church. And Vincent's, on occasion, noticed that the, the Doctor seems obsessed with Vincent painting this church. Like other characters were talking about last week, uh, these famous historical figures are quite quite smart quite perceptive of stuff mm-hmm. um, in almost a superhuman capacity in some ways um, especially how Vincent has this extra perception so he can he sees the world in his own way and you, you can also see this creature as well yeah um, so yes they're going to go to the church and uh, the doctor promises by this time tomorrow uh, they'll be gone Uh so Vincent seems quite sad at this. Um, it's quite quick that he's grown an attachment to them. Very quickly. Because mm-hmm. Vincent seems quite sad that they're going to leave. Like, how long has this been? Only, he only met them the previous night. Is that right? Yes, I think so. And Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, but I think we can sort of uh, forgive that because... Um, these are two people who are showing kindness to Vincent and uh, are clearly appreciative of his art. Um, so obviously he's going to respond to that. Um, and then being bound up with the, the sort of mini adventure that they have and uh, fighting death and so on, I think. Uh, over- yeah, it over- kind, yeah. kind of makes sense, yeah. Mm. Um, but he's he does seem quite especially sad that Amy will be leaving. I think he does cl- glance o- over in her direction. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, and then we have a tough moment. The Doctor reminds Amy that Vincent will take his own life in a few months. This mustn't have been on her mind. And she's kind of like, oh, don't say that. Like She doesn't really want to face up to the reality of that. Mm. These kind of things aren't touched upon very often in Doctor Who, where the Doctor will be will go to these times and places, and he deals with things in the here and now, but he doesn't think too much about changing um, major historical events in the aftermath, though. Like, I mean, I guess that that just make that just makes sense. But what the Doctor does, he doesn't uh, change take fixed points in time. Yeah. 
but I know what you mean. And then um, one of the things that I quite like is the fact that the I think the episode balances it quite well because at the end of the day, this is a it's a, a family viewing show. But the fact that we we have an episode of Doctor Who which doesn't shy away from the fact that um, one of the major characters is clearly uh, clearly suffering from from depression, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't romanticise the depression, um, which I think could very easily have, you know, it, it could have very easily gone down that route. Um, it shows the fact that you know d- depression comes and goes, how it can be uh, debilitating, but at the same time, um, it's very much part of the person. Um, you know, obviously, uh, people have different—I uh, don't know how to phrase this—a different relationship, if, if, if that's not an awful way of putting it, uh, with the depression. I know that there's some people who, if given the opportunity, uh, would quite happily. Um, be completely rid of it while there's others and this falls into how uh, we see Vincent's relationship um, to his mental health in this episode of going uh, it can be absolutely awful when when you when you're going through these episodes but it's very much a part of them um, yeah. and it's just a painful thing that they have to deal with but not alone and I think that, could, that, that that's a, another aspect of the, this episode of going. Um, he's able to have perhaps um, deal with it a little bit better um, because he's got the Doctor and Amy there as, as companions who are, who are willing to be there um, despite everything. Yeah. So they were kind of there for him. Yeah, when, but when uh, at the same time, yeah, but it's sort of interesting as well. It doesn't um, the the Doctor seems to uh, find it a little bit difficult to um, deal with um, Vincent's depression. Um, Yeah, there's an instance in the churchyard Mm -hmm. when Vincent uh, refers to his madness, or that he's mad, Um, and the doctor is quick to say, well, look... um, he, well, he starts to talk about depression um, mm. and maybe the many facets of it and Vincent kind of like just dismisses him there and then and just kind of, he wants to get to work with his painting. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's that one bit there where the doctor brings it up. Is that what you were talking about? No, no, uh, that is a good, good scene, but uh, partic- no, the, the, the first time that we, we see it uh, where Vincent's in his uh, lying in bed and he's oh, clearly yes. in, you know, in, in, in absolutely emotional agony. Um, and the doctor doesn't really handle it particularly well. No, perhaps not. Um, but at the same time, it's it's not it. it you know, he doesn't make. Uh, you know, he doesn't. Um, I mean, because if you if you're fa- if you're you know if you come across someone uh, in 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 that much emotional pain, you can only deal with it as as, as best you can. I think really, it's uh, if you're showing and i appreciate that i'm coming you know that i'm platituding this in a very simplistic way but certainly when it comes to the episode of going well the doctor at least he's physically there uh and is and is listening so there's that but but um i like the fact that we we have an episode of doctor who which which is which is dealing with this and showing that there is no straightforward simple you know 
uh, it's not entirely straightforward. It is a little bit complicated. Well, it is complicated. And um, if, you know, all that forms uh, very much uh, how the episode ends. Yeah. But we'll, but we'll get on to that. Sure, yeah. So the three of them head out to the church. Um, they do come, well, they are walking along the path. And the casket with the girl who died um, is coming past. At the time, I thought maybe there was going to be a bit of a confrontation with the mother again, but that wasn't the case. They just kind of pass on by. But it, she's the only death in this story, I believe. Is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Vincent, mm-hmm. like we were saying, he's he's very perceptive of stuff. And Amy's talking to him how, and he says how he understands her sadness that maybe she's lost lost someone because she's crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be because of Rory. Yeah. On some level, she's she's grieving him, but she can't remember. But it's there on the surface, and she just doesn't know it. Yeah. Um, but he was very perceptive of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the way to the church, um, and he sets up um, like his easel, and this is where the doctor talks to him about uh, the complexities of depression. So while they're painting, the doctor grows quite impatient. Do you think uh, Matt Smith was the most impatient of the lot, of all the doctors? I seem to remember there's a scene in... Um, Power of Three? Power of Three, yeah. Where he's painting the fence and doing everything, and only twenty minutes has passed. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't like being grounded. He likes to be on the run. Uh, is is he is he the main doctor for feeling like that? To your memory? Yeah, I think so. He he's very fidgety and doesn't have <laughs> doesn't have any patience. And in this episode, he's you know uh, Vincent's you know doing the painting of the church and and everything and. Uh, <laughs> The doctor's a little, the doctor's actually quite irritating here. I think. I think Amy's the one who's much more mature and grounded, and um, just being there for for Vincent and just letting him get on with his work. Where he just the doctor just never shuts up. It, I mean, it's endearing because of the way of Matt Smith's uh, how he plays it. Um, he's but he's very much like a child. Yes, because, he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I guess he is in 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 the sense of the eleventh Doctor. It's pretty much just a Ben, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's it's like he's he's an impatient child who can't sit down. Yeah. So the doctor insists that Amy stays outside, um, but as Vincent asks, of course she'll follow him, mm-hmm. um, and then he he responds with "I love you." <laughs> um, so inside the church, the doctor searches, and then eventually he's attacked and chased by the creature, and when Amy comes in. Um, they hide inside this confession confession booth. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, she's not being very quiet. I know the doctor did ask her to breathe less loudly, but um, yeah, it's like she's never done this before. <laughs> oh, and she, she yeah. screams a lot in this scene, like high pitched, short screams. <laughs> Does she do this a lot in other stories? I don't particularly remember Amy being quite a screamer. Yeah, no, certainly not to my memory. Yeah, um, it's uh, yeah. It, funny enough, it stood out a little bit for me in this episode. It didn't seem very Amy-like. So Vincent comes in to distract them uh, with his chair, his chair from home. <laughs> I think it is, it is, it is, it is his chair from home, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah it's, it's, it certainly looks chair. like it. Yeah, 
Uh, so he's waving that around and he manages to get the doctor and Amy out to safety. And when they barricade themselves in a room, uh, the doctor says, Amy, Rory, by accident. So we yep. get a little reference to, to Rory. Mm-hmm. Uh, a more direct reference rather than, than we did earlier on. Yeah. Uh, and Amy says, who? Um, and then that's kind of brushed aside by the doctor. And yep. just, Rory doesn't get another mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the doctor tries to communicate with the creature through the door um, I like that he attempts this it's a very uh, doctorish thing to do and then when it comes in that they're, they're trapped in the room with it and it's trying to get out so the doctor deduces that uh, it is blind and when uh, Vincent's trying to fight, fight it it gets impaled on his Peyton easel thing which is a bit of a sad thing it, it dies it's impaled mm-hmm. and the, the doctor well he, the doctor claims that it says I'm afraid <laughs> it's very bleak um, so if the doctor and Amy had never came to see Vincent um, apart from the fact that Vincent uh, had someone with him not much else was changed about him. The, the creature died. I suppose if the creature had been left alive, it would have killed more people. Yeah. So maybe it's best that the alien did die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but yeah. I was trying to think, were events better had they not been there? But maybe not. <laughs> um, so did it just have bad eyesight? Or were all these aliens blind, do you think? Oh, you mean this specific race? Um, yeah, this race. Probably just this one, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a bit of a sad scene. And then afterwards, the three of them, they're laying back, holding hands, looking at the stars. Very good place for Vincent to be in, um, because, of course, with some depression, there's a big feeling of isolation, that like you've got no, no one to talk to, no one to hold hands with. And Vincent has this, this nice moment with them, and he shares kind of his perception of the sky. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I, I like that scene an awful lot. It's uh, it's certainly one of the highlights for me, and it's. I just think it's really nice that you know uh, the doctor's you know experiencing something in a way that he hasn't before. Same with Amy, of course, as well. And I just love that whole scene of just uh, showcasing how Vincent saw the saw the world and how that influences. Pain. It's just it's just a really beautiful scene. Mm. Yeah, and he yeah. says he'll miss them. Um, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah, in particular. <laughs> <laughs> so he tries to give them one of his famous mm-hmm. self portraits as a thank you um, it's, it's kind of funny that the doctor's like no no I can't take that as if it's pants <laughs> yeah I mean me personally if if if, if it'd be my case it'd be sod history yes I, I, I'm taking that picture yeah, go on the, 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 you know everyone else can have the rest of the pic but this is mine I'd be bloody taking it or at least tell him to rustle up a few more copies Probably set to death. Yes, yeah, yeah. He does tell Amy to return, and they'll have um, children by the dozen. <laughs> Clearly, a man of passion. And he sees the doctor as a friend mm-hmm. too. He says that. Um, so as they leave, the doctor has an idea and decides to bring Vincent on a trip in the TARDIS. Clearly, a good part of the story. But um, before we get there, do you think this? Well, this clearly was a good idea. Um, but the Doctor doesn't do this often. What What do you think was the driving force behind the, 
doctor making that decision. Well, the, at this point, they've uh, you know they've become friends, and uh, Vincent Van Gogh is clearly one of the most um, remarkable artists there's ever been. But unfortunately, um, that wasn't recognised during his own lifetime, um, and the doctor has. Because the Doctor knows that this is during the last months of Vincent's life before he then takes his own life. So uh, I yes. think, given the fact that it's it's within the Doctor's power to go, all right, I can actually show you that actually, um, it's it's just quite a lovely thing of just you know if if it was in your power to 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 say, look, you're bloody amazing, and this is how much you mean to people. I think you know you 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 would take it. I just think it's a, it's a really nice uh, gesture that the doctor does. But but going back to how the episode handles uh, mental health, it um, you know you, you could have had an episode extrapolating on a what if of going, oh, um, uh, Vincent suddenly realised that you know that people recognised and loved his paintings and that got rid of his mental health probably. Then that got rid of his depression, which is clearly no. That's that's not how it works. The fact that we see that yes it, it gives vincent a sense of elation and he, he finds it very emotional but in a positive way and that meant an awful lot to him but obviously that doesn't eradicate your depression um it um no i think it was a good mature direction yeah totally so uh they have a nice flight in the tardis so we got to see the whole vincent going around the tardis and it was covered in those mm-hmm. posters as well uh, so we had the flight, and then when it arrives in present day, 2010, all the posters are kind of burning away from the vortex. Um, so he brings Vincent to see his art into the museum. Uh, so he's, he's walking in, kind of overwhelmed, and uh, the, um, the art gallery dude, <laughs> Bill Nye, the doctor speaks to him, and of course he remembered him from earlier. Yeah, he said kind words about his bow tie and he asks him to say in, in about 100, 100 words where does he rate Van Gogh in the history of the world mm. I mean I didn't count if anyone's out there does he do it in 100 words I'd like to know yeah funny enough I, just someone's counted I th- yeah I think uh, I was interested to see whether he, he met the challenge but um, I think that would, yeah. that would I did wonder but I just, just couldn't no I, just I think can't. it would ruin the magic of the scene uh, because I think yeah. even though you know the rest of the episode's been really good it has been leading up to this moment um, and as we were saying with things like um, you know, Shakespeare Code is a, is a love letter to William Shakespeare and The Unicorn and the Wasp is a love letter to um, Agatha Christie this is a love letter to uh, Vincent van Gogh and I just think uh, it's it's a really uh, brilliant scene and I've uh, I've seen this episode over the years you know so I've seen it quite a few times it uh, it if it doesn't if it doesn't make me shed shred a tear, shed a tear um it certainly comes very close to it i do find it uh, i do find myself welling up when i'm watching yeah this i did i did feel that this week yeah, yeah. Uh, i just think it's i think it's great in terms of you know the drama of the episode but also the fact that you know uh, tony uh, i was going to say to- tony curtis um uh i forgot who's bill nye no 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 uh, the guy who, who wrote richard curtis richard curtis yeah uh 
Well, the fact that I was going, you know, T- Tony Curtis, you know, that actor from the 50s and some like it hot. No, no, um, Richard Curtis. Um, him, you know, he's the one who's written this scene and it's, it's, it's him eulogizing, I think, incredibly well of how remarkable Vincent van Gogh was as a person and uh, as an artist. And the fact, you know, you've got those words of going, he was able to turn the pain and suffering and demonstrate that into some of the most uh, sublime um, uh, moments of, of beauty and joy in art. Uh, the fact that, you know, th- there was certainly no one like it uh, previously and we may not like, see, we may never see his like again. It's it's great. And of course, you know, when uh, it's quite nice of just going, you know, when, when he's in, when he's going through the art, art gallery, you know, br- you know, it's, it's brief. But you know, we have those paintings of Monet, and you know he's 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 interested in the works of Monet, and you know because who who is also a, another impressionist painter, um, and appreciating that, that. But you know, getting distracted by that, which I just think is lovely. Um, yeah. But you know, just get no, no, no. That's not what we're here for. And just you know, dragging him away to see his own art and, and what it means to, to to an awful lot of people. And it um, back in 2019, um, I was down in London, and I, I went to. Uh, the the Tate Museum, not not the Tate Modern, uh, the Tate uh, the Tate Museum, which I'd never been before, and uh, it was a really lovely surprise because uh, I didn't realise that they had an exhibition on Vincent Van Gogh, and it was fantastic. It was it was brilliant because they had um, his belongings, uh, things that that things that he owned, books that he loved, uh, as well as um, as well as his paintings. And then also what I really liked as well is going, not only are we going to showcase uh, Vincent van Gogh's paintings, but we're also going to show you other paintings from other artists who were clearly influenced by him. And it was a, it's one of the one of the best art exhibitions I've ever been to. And, uh, and I think that if I was able to properly articulate why I love the art of Vincent van Gogh, uh, it, you know, uh, it would pretty much match up with um how how it's how it's said in this episode it's really well written yeah so he does get overwhelmed with emotions and positive ones and i love how after kissing the art gallery dude (laughs) he apologizes for the beard (laughs) because amy had said to amelia about kissing with a beard didn't she yes yeah yeah aye (laughs) so vincent uh, returns home seemingly a changed man but that's not the case he's at a Mentally, he's at an optimistic high point, um, but you know this doesn't fix any problems that he's had emotionally um, with regards to depression and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a kind of a he's a, he's in a positive state. Yeah, um, but but Amy sees it that it, it could have helped him. Yes, and the fact that you know it's uh, he had these interactions with the doctor and Amy, he became friends with them, and. Uh, that had an impact. It it did, it mm-hmm. wasn't something that was inconsequential, despite the fact that you know the depression was still there. And sadly, uh, he did take his own life. But despite that, uh, the friendship that he had still meant an awful lot. And of course, we we have that at the, at the you know the very end of the episode. And this is this is what we're left with. I'm getting emotional talking about it. Um, oh. Where we see the famous sunflower painting. And that the change in history is that he has dedicated that to Amy. And then Amy uh, 
talks if they had got married the children the children would be uh they'd have very uh, red hair the ultimate ginger <laughs> the ultimate ginger. <laughs> the ultimate ginger uh yeah yeah and that's kind of the end of the episode mm-hmm. uh we did have vincent back for the pandorica opens in a brief scene where the crack in time or or rather vincent's perception higher perception of stuff He's uh, he draws a picture of the TARDIS exploding, like a like a bit of a premonition. Mm-hmm. Do you think th- having that scene with Vincent um, is detrimental to this as as a standalone story? Uh, no, I don't think it does. No, do, no. do you? Do you have that feeling? No, I, I didn't at the time. I just uh, just in retrospect, I was wondering after the end of this episode, uh, just wondered if it, it affected it in a bad way. Um, no, because I think it, say, I think it was tastefully done and it was brief enough. Maybe the uh, the crack in time <laughs> was there the cause of everything <laughs> mentally. Yeah. I keep um, going to call it Amy's crack, but that's just that sounds wrong. <laughs> it is wrong. I've called it, it that myself wrong. in the past as just a really juvenile yeah. joke. It's uh... I feel like I need, I need I need to bleep that out. <laughs> Grossly inappropriate. Yeah. I didn't actually watch Doctor Who Confidential. There was an episode called A Brush with Genius. But I didn't watch it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, which brings us on to listeners' responses for this week. A few people have got in touch. Thank you very much. Chris Morgan said... Who could have foreseen that so many of my favourite scenes from this show involve museums? Is he not a fan of museums? Perhaps not. Who would have thought that thing that I hate is in all the episodes I love? <laughs> oh, well, each of their own. But yeah, the, the yeah. scenes in the museum are, are uh, the best. And as I said, uh, particularly towards the end, and even though the, the preceding episode has, has been good, it's all been leading up to that, that moment. And yeah. I think it's yeah, yeah. It is the best. Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. Um, neither the Time Nor Space podcast said, Excellent. Doctor Who isn't always great at handling sensitive topics, mm-hmm. but I think they did a really good job of addressing mental health here. It's done well enough that you forget the antagonist. It's just a giant chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty much. It is just a giant chicken with its feathers plucked off. I think that, for me... I didn't even remember the villain. No, because uh, even though this is uh, this is my favourite uh, story from from the Matty, Matt Smith era, and I've always remembered it fondly. the The scenes that always stuck in my mind were the scenes in the cafe, the scenes in the museum, uh, Amy with all the sunflowers, you know, stuff like that. Funny, it's I've never, yeah, it, the monsters just really. The monster's really the MacGuffin of the episode, really. It's the thing that gets mm. uh, the Doctor and Amy to, vi- uh, to visit Vincent in the first place, and that's the main focus. The monster's just peripheral to the story, really. Yeah. And yeah, it's. Uh, I agree to what we said before. I do think that the episode handles um, uh, the matter of depression in this episode you know, really well. You know, I mean, keeping in mind that this is a family show, and these things are very complicated. I think I yes. think it's handled very deftly. 
and it's not it's not overbearing you know they get a, it's it's a good balance of addressing the legacy of an artist at the same time yes yeah 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 mm-hmm. um so thanks to david and matt for that one jason thompson said just a beautiful episode the doctor's pile of good things and bad things speech at the end is so perfect and brilliantly encapsulates the notion of making a difference amy wants to have made a difference um, permanently and positively and is crushed that she couldn't Mm. but the doctor understands that just giving someone something to add to their pile of good things is making a difference and it's no less important because it wasn't a huge and life it wasn't huge and life-changing i think that somehow i'm sorry i'm getting emotional just i think that sums it up um incredibly well i couldn't have put it better yeah that's that's it you've hit the nail on the head perfectly yeah Yeah. totally agree with that that's great thanks jason Mm -hmm. the the chat tsunami podcast said i thought overall it was an okay episode uh, but the ending just hit me like a ton of bricks so poignantly done Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. it's nice to hear someone else's different perspective uh, on it. Uh, that thinking that you know that, that most of the episode's okay, but even us who who really like the episode, I think we all agree that it's it, it is that end scene. That's what that's the memorable yeah. thing. Um, in hindsight, you might only remember a giant chicken from the from the rest of the episode, but you might remember the the, the end. Is yeah, well, I think it'd be, I think it'd be rather unfortunate if your abiding memory was of a, of a giant featherless chicken. Um, an invisible one. Yeah, the invisible. <laughs> the thing that I remember about this episode is the thing that you can't see. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that'd be really. Fun. I wonder if that was for budget reasons. Yeah. Uh, let's make it invisible. Yeah. A bit like uh, you know the invisible spaceship in Sharda. Uh, oh yes. I bet Graham Williams as a producer loved that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. We don't have to build the damn thing. Um, yeah, it's. I think even for for people such as us who 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 pretty much like the whole thing it, it, it is that last scene that's the thing that sticks and has the huge totally. you know emotional resonance and everything that needs to be said so yeah and emotionally it even after all these years despite seeing the episode numerous occasions it still hits me like a ton of bricks richard smith said um haven't seen it since broadcast naturally hmm, naturally mm-hmm. <laughs> um Enjoyed it well enough at the time. I did like that the Doctor and Amy couldn't fix Vincent, mm. although they did give they did give him a little taste of success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a very similar point yeah. there. Uh-huh. Uh, thanks, Richard, for that. We have uh, Mark Cockrum from the All of Time and Space podcast. Uh, he said, "Vincent and the Doctor is one of my favourite New Who stories." Tony Curran is superb as Vincent. A wonderful cameo from Bill Nye after the timeless children. Could he be an alternate doctor? Hmm. (laughs) Uh, A very sensitively written story by Richard Curtis. Having had my own experiences with depression, this story really spoke to me. And the moment that they show Vincent his legacy at the museum breaks me every time I watch it. Yeah, me, me too. And it's yeah. uh, uh, th- thanks for sharing that. And it's interesting hearing from 
uh, from someone who, who who does experience depression and going, you know, this episode, um, you know, it, it speaks to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've experienced depression in some sorts, but not. I don't em- empathise with it in regards to Vincent, where you have highs and lows of depression. Mm-hmm. I, I've been through um, phases in my life. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, but um, it, it's unique to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, that's that's all our responses for this week. Uh, thanks for getting in touch, everyone. It's been great. Yeah, yeah thanks, everyone. Um, we did do a poll for this episode. How would you rate Vincent and the Doctor? I keep nearly saying Vincent and the Wasp. <laughs> like, we could have, would have just combined these into one podcast. We did ask, how do you rate it? Good, average or bad? 78.9% said it was good. Yeah. Um, so 13.2 average and 7.9 said bad. Wow. Okay. I would. It would have been interesting to to hear from from the people who thought it was bad, just yeah. to see, just to see where they were coming from. Oh, that's the chicken one. <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, I hate sunflowers, and it has too many of them. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah, maybe we need to clarify bad and why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but maybe we should put that in future polls. Of go, you know, bad in brackets. Uh, please explain. Comment below. <laughs> um, tell us more yeah. <laughs> yeah good say no more <laughs> <laughs> so i think that that sums it up for today um before i go i'd like to mention um the youtube project we're doing which is the after show live we'll be collaborating with several other podcasts just recently announced uh neither the time nor space podcast matt will be joining uh, we have Mark from All of Time and Space, Shona from My Adventure in Space and Time, and we have Harry and Luke from the Who Can Convince You podcast. Um, they'll all be joining on our YouTube channel on the 1st of November for a big live spectacle. <laughs> so uh, do check that out. You can head over to our YouTube channel now or our website, and you can find that video listed and you can click to set a reminder um, and we'll be discussing um, the first episode of Doctor Who Flux so I'm quite excited to get other people's uh, perspectives on that Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've never really collaborated with anyone before so I'm quite excited to talk to them yeah yeah I'm looking forward to uh, to watching those I think, uh, I think it'd be really yeah. good yeah so this week I'll be kind of putting some some pre-prepared questions forward for when we do um kind of react to that i i don't want to kind of emulate what we'll be doing on the podcast because uh i presume Liam we'll also be watching doctor who flux <laughs> yeah i suppose we may as well uh, yeah so uh i don't want to have to be doing like, emulating that and doing the same thing here and there mm. uh so i'm very much excited to be reviewing that on the podcast uh itself and also hearing the views of other people uh on youtube mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, we'll keep you updated with that um, over the next few weeks. Uh, so, Liam, do you think we could squeeze in one more podcast before Doctor Who Flux hits? We can do. I think it's going to be... Um... Or not. <laughs> uh... Schedule-wise, I, 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 we've probably got a week, unless we give ourselves the week off. <laughs> well, I think, well, not forgetting, because uh, Flux begins on the 31st, I think... Uh, yeah, I think by the looks of it, I think we're going to be going straight into 
the new series. Flux mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so shall I double check the double check the calendar here? Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's leave you hanging there, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so we're recording this on the Sunday. Presumably, I'm going to have this edited for the Monday. <laughs> but you know me well enough that I'm not that quick. <laughs> Uh, so, but yes, I, presumably this will be out on Monday the twenty fifth. Um, if you're listening to this in at a later date than that, I'm sorry, I didn't get it done in time. But yeah, presumably this will be out on the twenty fifth of October. And if we squeeze out another podcast after this, um, the following Monday would be the first of November. In which, on that date, it, we wouldn't exactly be getting our flux review out by then, would we? What do we do, Liam? Do we keep the Monday schedule? That's a good point. And review Flux the week later? Oh, so yeah. Flux comes out on the Sunday. Yes. If we if if we keep our Monday schedule and review it a week and a day late, <laughs> it's, we're a bit behind, but that would give us time to prep, do an honest review, and get it edited. I think what, I think what we'll do, Rob, is obviously... Watch the episode on the Sunday. Yes. And then do you think record on the Monday or the Tuesday? Possibly. Um, it will also have to work around our like daily schedules, uh, work and stuff. Yes. <laughs> but but yes, uh, but presumably um, early on in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Doctor Who's kind of time of the year. I'll probably maybe I could just miss out on a bit of sleep. <laughs> So, 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 listeners. Obviously, we're, we're flushing that we should have should have uh, planned for this. So, but we're hoping to get another uh, Matt Smith uh, episode squeezed in. So, um, we've been uh, sort of picking our favourite uh, episodes from each of the Doctors. Um, Rob obviously picked Vincent the Doctor for Matt Smith. That happens actually to be my favourite um, Matt Smith episode as well. So are we doing that again next week? No. <laughs> Let's talk about it again. No, I thought... Uh, Put it on repeat. The, uh, but I thought what I'll do is I'll, I'll pick the thing that comes, in my opinion, very, very close to, to be my favourite, which is Amy's... I'm curious wit... Um, you Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no, I'd, um, did you have a guess? I think I probably let, I've let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Um, was it Amy's yeah, choice? Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, <laughs> good. I was curious whether it was going to be one of the later series stories maybe a Clara one or something yeah it's it's funny with the, that's with the era because even though it, I mean I think season se- series seven's a bit mm, uh, a bit dodgy for me but uh, you know the, the, the rest of the Matt Smith era is good but personally speaking I think series five his first series is his best totally yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so, uh, so anyway, the next episode we were going to discuss was, was Amy's Choice. But because we've got Doctor Who Flux, I think, um, which is about to start, I think if we hold off on that, focus on Flux, and then once that comes to an end, then then discuss Amy's Choice. Okay, so, um, so we'll have this podcast out, and then, so our next podcast will be Doctor Who Flux? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so... We'll have to start talking about that. Yeah. Oh, I haven't. I was thinking, should I go online and look at spoilers? I'm prepared. No, I'm not. No, no. I'm going to do an honest, honest reaction. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm more excited than uh, than I have been for the previous series seasons. I'm optimistic. Yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic as well. Um, we've been 
even though there have been some episodes uh, within the Chris Chibnall era which we have enjoyed, on the whole, it has, it hasn't really got, it hasn't been that massively exciting. Uh, but on this occasion, yeah. because they're doing something a little bit interesting, a little bit different uh, for Doctor Who, uh, and we are—I mean, we always we know this as fans, but we definitely know this as a fact that no matter how bad it is. We've got Russell T. Davis around the corner yeah. to reboot it. <laughs> what a great mindset to yeah, be exactly. in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it would be absolutely awful if so that comes around and goes, what's, what's Russell T. Davis done? He's awful. Um, <laughs> this is this is worse than Bring Chibnall. Bring back Chibnall. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. But yes, you're right. We've, we've, we have got that thing. It doesn't matter how bad it's going to be. To be honest, though, I do think Flux is, you know, fingers crossed. I, I, I am optimistic about it as well. And it's like what we said before when we were talking about the trailer. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with us on Torrance. We've got the Weeping Angels coming back as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, some kind of weird dog person, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and who doesn't love weird dog type things in science fiction shows? Yeah. It's, it's it's all going to be good. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not some kind of pre hartnell dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. put it past. Yeah. Um, so, episode, well, chapter one, the Halloween apocalypse... The David story for John Bishop's Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it's going to be set in Liverpool, by the looks of things. Yeah, which is unfortunate, uh, but uh, but nonetheless, despite that, I'm still optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, be exciting. Yeah. New beginnings. Uh, okay, so uh, look forward to you hearing from us. <laughs> this gets so confusing. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, You'll hear from us soon after Flux. Yep. Uh, but yes, uh, do uh, do check out the after show on our YouTube channel. Head over to cloisterbellpodcast.com um, and all the information's on there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for all your great feedback. Um, thanks, Liam. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your time, everyone. And see you soon. Yep. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no.